Welcome to CIO Leadership Live Canada, part two of my series with John Camacchio, SVP and CIO of Technion. I'm Lee Rennick, Executive Director of CIO Communities. John, it's so great to have you back at CIO Leadership Live for part two of our discussion about technology, innovation, and leadership. We had a really great discussion in part one of our series, really focusing on leadership, the value of the CIO for, you know, the CIO in their position, about integrated systems and creating ecosystems. So um, when we first met, we talked about COVID, pre and post COVID. And, you know, you really talked to me a lot about how your company Technion drastically had to pivot um, your business models. So as a global company, um, you know, I really wanted to dive into that around your own leadership role as a CEO, CIO, sorry, excuse me, and the global scale that you had to work with during and post COVID and how you use technology to help build new business models. So. You know, we talked about originally, you mentioned to me the switch between people, our customers having office space to home office and how that impacted on supply chain and manufacturing issues and how those all really became front and center during that time. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, being a multinational company, we, we saw it coming in waves, right? Uh, because it started in the eastern part of the world and made its way over. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the, the downside of that is when everything closed and then opened and closed and opened through the period, we saw that in waves as well. So are we here? Are we not here? <laughs> right. Uh, but but again, we, you know, we had to react and pivot. First of all, we make office furniture and no one was in the office. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, so that was a big, a big you know, aha moment. Uh, uh, but at the beginning of COVID, I mean, you know, we had to make sure that our employees were safe around the world and they and they could work from home. Now, we had started a mobility strategy in 2012 uh, because as our campuses were growing and our manufacturing plants were growing and people were traveling to different sites because of the way we build stuff, we wanted to make sure that they could work anywhere, anytime, and collaborate anywhere, anytime. So we moved to a very strong mobility strategy with laptops. We Everything was Wi-Fi, all the manufacturing plants, all the offices, et cetera. And, and, and we had all the workspace technology tools you know, to, to, to be, you know, in their systems, they're all cloud-based. So connectivity was never an issue either, no matter where they were. So we really rolled up 4,000 people to work from home overnight on a Sunday into the Monday. Wow. It was, it was business as usual. Mm-hmm. Now, I would like to say it was brilliant planning, right? But it was just, you know, it was actually preemptive planning because of how we wanted to work, you know, like 10 years prior or eight years prior, I should say, right? So it really yeah. paid off. So I think thinking about how you want to work and thinking about the mobility of the business of business today, whoever was doing that early as we did, really the COVID piece didn't bother them as far as the work from home, right? Right. So that part, that part went very smooth and we were all very happy. Um, but the next part, you know, as far as my role, uh, you know, of course, we had crisis management uh, meetings every day. Uh, and of course, you know, we had to execute our business continuity plan because some areas of our business were open, some were closed. Um, most of them had denied access, which is the biggest business continuity issue ever and always. Think about forest fires, think about floods, think about snowstorms. Well, COVID was you can't come to work. Yeah. So, so we had to execute that because the way we build our product is each plant has specialties. So someone will build the top of, the, of this desk I'm standing at, and someone will build the legs, someone will provide the cable management. Those are three different plants. Uh, so we can easily pivot to the very similar different plants around the world to build the same product, you know, because that's the capability. And we have the technology in place that we can route bill materials based on the order requirements or the plant capacity that way. So we executed that very effectively as part of a normal course of business. 
but the supply chain kind of got in the way. Yeah. <clears throat> so we had to manage supply chain issues. So some of the technology we looked at around supply chain uh, was really to look at how could we better sequence manufacturing plants with the supplies we had to get at least pieces done for customers that it was very urgent for them to have. The second part is with the supply chain not coming, we were creating delays for customers, which you know usually were one or two off here and there. All of a sudden you got you know thousands of delays because they're missing raw materials. Yeah. We had to quickly pivot and build a bulk delay notification process to allow to accept all these one time only you know delays just to make the, the 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 entire process work more smooth because people were getting overburdened with really manual processes and this was not the time to do that so that that really helped us a lot we had to of course reassure our our customers that we had a business continuity plan we were still in business yeah. we, were fortunate, we were fortunate because we supply governments um, and uh, police forces, et cetera, and hospitals around the world. So we were declared an essential service so we could stay open. <clears throat> so that made it easy, although we couldn't come into the office when we were denied access. But the manuf manufacturing plant could come in with special rules that we put in place as well. We had to increase our cyber vigilance, of course, because you know the world was distracted, and well, the bad actors, you know, they enjoyed that distraction. So you know, we had to had to figure that out as well. So you know, that was kind of the base part. But what we had to do but on top of that we also built in an order preview process just basically building a sandbox for an order and letting it preview based on whatever supplies we had and what could we get done which really helped the manufacturing planning and helped really communicate back with our clients now the good news is most of our clients weren't in the office but when they had a new building that we were filling they had requirements to complete that building Right. And then consolidate other buildings into that building. So there's still covenants in place. So we still have to meet, meet a lot of demands, especially through 2020, to complete those buildings that were still being built, albeit they slowed down too because of closures. But still, right. we have to have all these tools in place that we have to quickly pivot, you know, that were internal to make our business run better. Uh, so that helped a lot. And then the second part is we started looking at, you know, what other business models we have to do. We have to, you know, start relooking at our furniture. Uh, because our furniture is very mobile and it's very clever and agile. So we can then redistribute the, what's the future office going to look like as people come back, right? They're going to want more privacy, more protection, more more closed offices. And we were all getting away from that into open desking. Yeah. So kind of backwards in that in a good way. And we have a lot of interesting products, which are, are glass-based, which allow for lots of natural light to come in and it can be secured. So we started looking at how we can readdress those for privacy options. We started looking at asynchronous offices for asynchronous work. We have a huge education division that we provide to colleges and universities around the world. Well, all of a sudden that became very interesting to business. Right. You know, I created a library in my business using the education library products and it's for asynchronous work when people do come in and make them secure and private. So we pivoted there. Uh, and then we looked at the opportunity that, you know, no one had really good home furniture and there is a duty of care responsibility. So, you know, we had started um, an e-commerce site in 2017 to learn because we, we don't, we bulk build from raw materials to fill the campus. We don't build one of anything. So we want to learn how do we build one of something? How do we get it through our machine? How do we ship it properly? How do we accept a return? So we built this e-commerce store as a pilot, and then we quickly pivoted that to just work from home type furniture and offered it to our our customers to say, well, here's a, a discount because you're a great employer. If you want to, for, to help with duty of care your employees, you can give them this discount code. They can go on and they can buy a chair, a desk, a stand-up desk, whatever they need. 
and it'll be shipped right to their home. The employer, all you have to do is fund it. You don't have to worry about taking care of one because any facility manager does not want to take care of one desk. Right. They want to take care of all the offices. So that became very successful. Um, and then, of course, our, we, we go to market through dealer distributors in many markets, and they do uh, installation as well. They had their customers asking. So we created a B2B store for them rather quickly to do the same thing for smaller items that went into a small office, like a doctor's office that opened up uh, or a dental office that was allowed to open and or to home employees. Yeah. That B2B allowed them to buy, allowed them to facilitate the work from home uh, customer and, and they could get that business as well. So both were very, very successful. Uh, and we continue to have those open and we continue to use them and we're going to take them to the next level as part of our digital customer journey, which we'll talk about a bit later. Yeah, those are some of the pivots that we did. And then, of course, on the social side, you know, we uh, we were able to build 500 500,000 hospital grounds because we have upholstery and sewing machines. So that plant uh, here in Toronto was quite slow. So uh, we uh, aided through the government. We assisted and uh, we were given the patterns. We have all kinds of CNC cutting machines and, and massive industrial sewing machines. And the employees were able to build, you know, 500,000 of these hospital gowns. They were very proud. Uh, to do this. Wow. What a great business case just to show how, you know, you completely had to pivot, look at your business systems. But what I'm also hearing is the C-suite being very connected, understanding the business, understanding the strategies, understanding that technology runs across the full business and, you know, really looking how to adapt to be able to pivot, um, you know, from your supply chain to all your systems uh, and, and those ecosystems we talked about. So what an incredible journey. I mean, it must just just be incredible to look back on it and see how you've built all these additional things to support, you know, the full ecosystem of what you do. It, it was very rewarding. And I think our customers were very happy with our performance and we were able to keep our employees and, and keep going. And then as we came out of the pandemic with reinvigorated with, you know, really furniture designed to be the office being an event center, uh, you know, and the yeah. office being collaborative and, you know, being a, a, a magnet, not a mandate, we were able to provide a whole new set of products that actually were a retrofit and or an augmentation of the existing products we have. So we're actually stronger as we come out. I Sounds incredible. Well, yeah. I wanted to thank you for sharing that. And I wanted to move to the next question, which is really to talk about AI. So as you know, and we all know, there has been so much talk about Gen AI. Um, really transforming business. And, you know, a lot of the CIOs I talk to, some are like, I don't, not sure yet how we're going to use it. We're looking at it. Or some have made, as you can see in the news, like 15 year commitments to work with various companies to help adapt. So, you know, I'd love to talk to you about that and sort of what you believe the key benefits and challenges are for, you know, technologies like Gen AI to advance positive business outcomes. Any tips that you believe organizations or the CIOs should look at um, when building and adopting plans for Gen, I, Gen AI? Absolutely. So I'd like to start by really saying that Gen AI is a must, not a maybe. I think every CEO has to walk into their boss's office and every CEO has to embrace the fact that it is a must because it, it is a game changer, right? You know, and, it, and it's proven itself, you know, the way, the way it, it actually works with these large language models and the foundation models and the way it can actually take all of this data through these neural networks and actually return them to us by asking a question. Right. You know, it's, it's no longer that tabulated AI machine learning that we had, or no longer that, that very structured uh, AI where it answered one question. You know, what, what's the best shipping route for this? 
That's one question, right? What's the sales churn this month? That's one question. Yeah. This is very broad, right? So, so that's how I'd like to start because I think it really is a must. And we would all be remiss if we didn't dive deep, you know, with caution and with a very deliberate approach to what we want to do with it. So, so that's my view, of course. And, and I think like all companies, as we're doing right now, we're looking at the opportunities that where we can point AI to. And we're also looking at, at you know, how can we structure it to be safe, uh, you know, and, and not create too much risk, although we know it's risky in its current format because it will make mistakes. So yeah. there has to be guardrails. Even if we point it to our data, you know, AI has a, a habit of hallucinating, <laughs> you know, as, you know the, the, by giving you information. Well, yeah, that's kind of sort of maybe okay, but I'm not really sure. Maybe I asked the question wrong. But if I didn't know that and didn't think that, I would take it as verbatim. Yeah. So we have, we have to figure out those guardrails. But we have to encourage our employees to experiment with ChatGPT as well, right? With guardrails. Right. Because they have to learn how to work this way. So, you know, part of the vision is, you know, where's the right proof of concept to do this, right? And and how can we make sure we implement that proof of concept? Mm -hmm. uh, along with all of the ecosystems we have that are now starting to implement AI alongside their ecosystem that we already own. You know, how do we adopt that? And, and you know, so we have two paths, right? We can buy innovation systems that we own uh, that are adopting it, which is the, actually the simplest way and, and, and really align it with how we work every day. And how will it increase the effectiveness and performance of the employees who work in that ecosystem every day? How will it get rid of the mundane tasks and allow them to spend more time on the vital tasks they should be, especially when it's customer related mm -hmm. or it's product related? Um, and then how do we take our own data that is proprietary and how do we look at for example you know we have product we we we, you know, we work with construction industries they need business information models that have toxicity of all the the chemicals we use so they can apply for lead certification we have all this data and all these renderings and visuals and content and how can we actually apply that to that data and how can we have someone instead of searching for an answer for what they think they need from us why can't they just ask the question Right. And bring those examples back in, in real life format, you know, either through data, through audio, through video, through images, right? Which is what AI promises. Hmm. Leveraging that those neural networks and those foundation models. And, and I really think we have to use the constitutional AI that is starting to evolve with certain companies where like a constitution, you can set the values um, and the rules within your constitution that you believe in. And so that you can create that level of ethics, that level of accuracy, uh, and that level of maybe misrepresented data that doesn't happen. Right. So I think that that's a part that I've really been taking a good look at because I think it's necessary for us. Uh, you know, with global uh, two thousand clients as our base and governments around the world, I mean, they have a lot of compliance and privacy issues. Yeah. You must meet, uh, and and these are all starting to be legislated now as well. So we can't underestimate that legislation. So how do we take that constitutional layer of AI, apply it to the the, the large language models of the foundation AI and the neural networks, and sort of find a happy medium where here's all the information I have, but here's the real answer I want to give you based on your guidelines. Mm. And it will it's an important ESG story as well. Yeah, these people will be watching, and of course we have to look at. The roles, you know, because again, it, the people are very nervous about their job when you start talking about Gen AI. But again, talent is hard to acquire and hard to find. And look at Canada as an example. Our immigration levels are up because we need people to work, right? So how do we take the people that we have, the people that arrive, and give them good value out of jobs? 
uh, and, and this could help that as well. It also, I think, will help us be more effective as a business. Uh, business is moving very fast. Competition is very, very, very tight these days. So how do we become more efficient and more effective and deliver to our customers? And how do we communicate with our customers with the right answers? And, and I think Gen AI can help us do that. And I think you know it can help us with our own data, it can help us with the ecosystems we have. Um, and I think that's part of the, the challenge we have creating the guardrails, uh, creating the risk analysis, being very, very deliberate in the opportunities, but being also very cautious uh, in that deliberation to make sure we're doing the right things, right? And then of course, you know you know how I love ecosystems. I'm watching all these ecosystems of these cloud formats coming out that will hold the large language models, that will hold your data and point to it. And that will allow you to put other layers like constitutional AI or performance AI layers in it to aid and abet your business. That's very exciting because again, no one wants to build that. You know, right. We can't afford to build that, nor do we want to. We want to get to market fast. So I think there's going to be a lot of interesting products coming out. And so I think you know the use cases are there. Uh, I think you know for, on the customer service side they're there, uh, product development they're there. Uh, certainly on uh, quick financial analysis uh, of showing some quick results, uh, even though it's not great at tabulation, but the tabulation is already done typically. Give us the results over the past three months, you know, to, so to be quick and easy. I think on the customer service side. Uh, to help a customer self-serve as part of the di digital journey is a great way uh, to leverage that kind of tool. And, and I think in general, uh, we're just going to be a better company by using it, uh, but we have to really believe it and, and understand it. And, you know, it's our data and it's our answers. So all we're doing is putting a different way to get to those final answers and helping the individuals that are really laboring a long time to get there. So that, that's kind of my view of it. That's fantastic. That's very comprehensive. And the thing I was picking up from what you were saying was intentional. Like I was thinking like, how would I summarize what you were just saying? And it's almost like intentional business productivity. <laughs> exactly. right? So I appreciate that. Um, so we wanted to talk, um, this is our final question for our series. So thanks again for joining. And really, we wanted to talk about, or I wanted to chat with you about the modern customer journey. So many of the CIOs I speak with talk about the ways they are making the customer journey both seamless and fast through technology innovation. And to give you an example of that, I was sitting at a round table a few months ago, and one of the CIOs said, you know, our customers are expecting like what Amazon does Prime does, you know, like efficiency, same day or next day delivery, all that stuff. And it's challenging as a tech leader, right? Because that's what some of the, you know, customers are expecting. So any tips from you from a technology standpoint that you could share around the modern customer journey? Absolutely right. Uh, I think, you know, our view of the modern customer journey is kind of shifting from the current journey. Because right now, and, and we take, you know, that Amazon example is a, a brilliant one. Because right now our customers are, are going through a journey where they're building awareness about us they're building that online no one's talking right. to us right just like we build awareness of the product we want to buy so they want to make sure that they can find who we are what we're about what we stand for online and they can make a prejudgment of us you know and to, that they're aware of us that they want to deal with us i think that's one part the second part is the findability of that information whether it's who we are and, and our product because they want to understand the product that we have and what it does and how it can actually make their office better. So again, I, I relate it back to on the, like I know more about a toaster after research to buy a toaster than I've ever ever wanted to know in my life. Why? Because I, I'm aware and I can find it, right? Right. You know, 
And so that's back to that Amazon journey that people are so used to doing that research and finding. So I think those two pieces we're approaching in that way. How do we provide the awareness data and the findability? And, you know, really Gen AI would really help in the findability part with complex B2B products, right? So that's the second part of the journey. The, the third part is really with the reputational piece because right now, especially with Gen Z and millennials, millennials taking management roles, the Gen Z coming into, into the workforce and quickly going through based on their educational ability, they're looking at the reputation. What kind of employer are you? What kind of product are you? What's your stance on ESG? You know, you know what what is your impact report what is your diversion to landfill right. and your local usage i mean that reputation piece has to be front and center and, and it's such a unique piece right because it's like where and where do you build do you build locally do you source locally etc so i think that's the other part of the customer journey that we're, we're that we're going to focus on as we look at a new customer journey and then then of course there's the infamous i want to buy now so how do I buy digitally? Now, to buy an entire campus of a building digitally, well, you know, we, we visualize it for you. Uh, we, we, we create it with a very detailed data that, that is very geometrically accurate and with all the codes around the fire codes, et cetera. So really the image that we show you is the order. So we already have that, right? So how do we visualize that purchase for you? How do we conduct a commercial transaction with you? How do we digitize those pieces to make you more efficient and effective? No different than a bank made me the bank teller, which was the happiest day in all of our lives because we didn't have to go to the branch you know, to pay our bills and do things that we were doing while we were traveling. Right. And I think the customers want that same experience, right? And I think, you know, the, the generations like the millennials and as they start to have families and Gen Zs as a couple you know, they're going to want to travel less. So they don't want to travel to see showrooms, et cetera. So how do I, how do you show me everything as part of the purchase? How do you visualize my facility? How do you conduct a digital journey? So I think that purchase part is there. And then the other part, of course, is, you know, once we've converted them, it is the whole idea of advocacy. They like to talk to people. They like today to write a review, right? So we don't really have places for B2B to do that, but we have to start allowing that advocacy to happen, right? You know, you you become the statement because they actually search, right, for, you know, what is a five-star review on this product? And as they, they, they start buying commercial products, they're going to do the same. Right. So I think that's very important. So I think gearing the digital journey uh, and the modern journey towards the, the generations that are coming into power and into the workforce and also be adaptable to the generations that are still making those decisions and allow them to pick and choose how they want to do it. Yeah, right. so, so really have something for everything. Because right now, like we, we really have five generations in the workforce. Mm -hmm. People are working well into the 70s now around the world. Uh, and so, you know, with five generations, they're all looking at a digital journey. They have to be able to understand it and get something out of it, but get out of it what they see from their generational point of view. So I think that's the key. So to build all that, you know, the tips are to me, like you already have a website, you have a lot of, uh, a lot of awareness, just you have to sort of target the awareness to the views of the generations. So those are the personas. So as we sort of lay out the personas of who our customers are and who's coming and possibly the generations, how do we adapt the personas to the awareness and the findability part and the reputation part that we have? It's all the same data. It's just the way we present it. And of course, how can Gen AI help that? Mm -hmm. How can modern clouds help that? Yeah. How can modern content structures help that? So that's one, that's one part that I think is very important. And the other part, of course, is to have 
those ecosystems, which can actually step into their ecosystems, which we do today with many customers in their marketplaces. But now we have to go further into their ecosystems, but by having a cloud-based API worldwide engine to move data of any sort, be it content, be it video, be it audio, be it commercial data, you know, that's the other trick, right? And, and be at the ready for that. Uh, because we see even with new suppliers that have new materials, they have different ecosystems of how they want to deal with you. And we're ready to deal with that. So, so get those ecosystems that will exchange data, irrespective of what kind of data it is. At one point in time, we only exchange commercial data. If you think about the 80s and 90s. Now we, we give them documents. We, you know, no one wants to get a FedEx package, right? You know, we create places for them to, to look at their stuff. They, no one wants to download anything either you know, because that's not, not the right thing. So I think that's the other big tip uh, on that is those ecosystems. And then of course, having those ecosystems fully integrated into our ecosystems, all using the same data structure allows us to move up and down or, or crossways uh, to collaborate the physical and the digital world together because there's still the physical person making a decision with digital data. So all of a sudden now we're collaborating, you know, digital, I guess they call it, <laughs> or just make up a word. Yeah. <laughs> But, but that's the reality because we all buy products, even on the personal, we still yeah. physical part, right? So I think that's the, that's the key to that customer journey and those personas and to really, really take to heart the, the different generation because that's the opportunity is to speak to them. What a fantastic way to end this series. Thank you so much, John, for joining us on the CIO Leadership Live series. Uh, I really appreciate it. If you're interested in viewing this video or others to support the senior tech leader in their tech and leadership journey, we'll include it and a link at cio.com front slash CA. Thanks again, John.